God has a plan and where he puts people. I think the deepest thing that's forged in me is that I can trust this God of the universe. There's a passage that says that God's ways and his thoughts are higher than mine. And that's really the bottom line. Welcome to the Extraordinary Lives Podcast, where we talk about lives that go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary with the extra being Jesus. We'll be encouraged with amazing stories and helpful insights from the lives of ordinary people who have that extra, that supernatural difference that only Jesus can give. I'm your host, Ellen Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm very excited to have my friend Barbara Colwell on the show. We will hear much of her story, including her marriage to Warren, adopting two beautiful, wonderful girls through staff, and just mentoring others along with her specialization in strength finders. So welcome, Barbara. Thanks, Ellen. This is so fun to be with you and be a part of your fun podcast. <laughs> I have so enjoyed getting to know you. Your daughter married my son's best friend. And so that was the start of just a very fun, sweet friendship. So I'm very grateful for that. Oh, me too. I loved like when we first met at Rachel's bridal shower and gosh, we just connected from the get go. We really did. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, about where you grew up, your family, and then your family now. Okay. Well, I was born in Bermuda. My dad was in the Air Force, and so our family moved around a little bit. And I lived in Massachusetts for elementary school in Warner Robins, Georgia for junior high, high school and college in Alabama. And then I met my husband, Warren, and been in Texas ever since then. We've lived in a few other places along the way, but that's a little bit about my family. I'm the youngest of four. I have three older brothers, and I went to school at Auburn University, and I loved my college experience. And yeah, we have two daughters, and there's a big backstory behind both of them and just God's gracious provision for us with them. And they are delightful and Our oldest has four children, and then Rachel, the one that you know better, is in California with two lovely granddaughters there. Yes. Tell me, how did you meet Warren, your husband? Well, that's always a fun story. I was in Atlanta at a Christmas conference with Campus Crusade. I had an interview to join staff with Crusade, so I was so excited. I was eager about what the possibilities would be ahead with joining crew staff, and I was going up the escalator, and Warren saw me. I had a name tag on, and he said, Barbara, I love you, and he didn't quite remember that. I was standing with a mutual friend, but he just threw the net out, and I was like, okay, who's this guy? And So that's when we first met. And then about six months later, we were both in Colorado. I was taking classes to join Campus Crusade staff, and we started dating then and got married the next summer. That's great. And you both have had an impact on my kids, Matt, and then his wife, Elizabeth. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. 
So Warren, one of the things he loved doing with staff over the years is just helping teach the word. And as people join staff with Crusade, they take a class called Bible Study Methods. And I think probably he was in that group one year with Matt. And one of my roles over the last few years had been interviewing people that were joining staff that had been interns or joining full-time. And so we would have Zoom conversations. I think that's when Elizabeth and I first connected. And it was it was so fun because she was living in Italy and it was just fun to talk to her. And, you know, you kind of find out a lot about people when you have to ask all the questions for like a job interview. But it was so fun to enjoy getting to know her then. That's great. Well, I appreciate y'all's encouragement to them and just to so many um, staff. We just love it. It's kind of just in your DNA, it seems, for both of you. So tell me a little bit about your stories about adopting Claire and Rachel. Well, um, when Warren and I had been married, I guess about four years, we thought, yeah, maybe it's time to start having a family. And things didn't go quite the way that we expected. And we were dealing with some infertility issues. And the doctor said, well, it looks like you have about 1% chance to conceive. And that 1%, he said, it is because I believe in God. And I think God's percent could have been a lot bigger than that. But it was a good, clear realization like, okay, we need to move in a different direction. So we decided, okay, we want to adopt. We want to have a family. And so we looked at a list of like 24 different agencies. And, you know, it's kind of like a big puzzle when you're doing something like that. And so we just were trusting the Lord of what baby he wanted us to have, what timing it would be. And it was kind of a long process, a little bit longer than we had anticipated. And God had us wait for about six months in the midst of that with some hoops we needed to jump through from what our social worker said. But we knew like, okay, even this is part of God's plan of the exact baby that he wants us to have. And so when we were waiting, we got a call and they said, there was a three pound baby that was born. Do you want to adopt her? And we were like, whoa, that wasn't quite exactly how we expected when we would get the call. And um, so we waited and we prayed and she was in the hospital for about two months. She had been born premature. But finally, after she was healthy enough to leave, we took her from the hospital and we were just so thrilled. And there was just so many different things God was teaching both of us during that time. But we were just so thrilled to have our little Lauren Claire to be in our home. So that was fun. And then as we were waiting to try to adopt another baby, in the midst of that, we got a call from a friend and heard about someone that was having a baby. And it worked out that that was Rachel and we were able to adopt Rachel. And we didn't actually meet our oldest daughter, Lauren Claire's birth mother, because it was a closed adoption. But with Rachel, her birth mother placed her in our arms. And that's not an experience many people have, but it was just like overwhelming. It was so humbling and such an incredible gift from the Lord that he was entrusting us with this precious daughter. And as you know, You don't know our older daughter quite as well, but we're just so grateful for each of the girls God gave us. Yes. We'll come back to Claire's story a little bit later because I want to hear more. But I'm curious about, you have talked about your faith with just adopting the girls as well as being on staff with Crew, which used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ. Tell me a little bit about what it means to follow Christ and what is a relationship with Jesus. What does that mean and look like? Yeah, I love that question. Um, 
I think there's so much in that question. And it, even just a little backstory on my faith journey, I didn't really grow up going to church. And in junior high, it was really a stranger that invited me to a meeting, this neighbor. And that's really first where I heard just the gospel and that I could have a relationship with Christ. And I began my relationship because heard like what it means to know Christ, that I needed my sins forgiven and that he was the perfect provision for me. And if I trusted in what he had done, that I would have that relationship also. So I was so eager. That was when I was 14 years old, ninth grade. And during high school, I met a gal that was involved in a high school ministry. And she just was so inviting. And we sat down and we looked at God's word and I was just eating it up. I just loved opening the Bible and seeing what it said. Then as I went to college, I was just so eager. I literally went to a different Bible study every day. And I just was so eager to learn more about what it meant to walk with the Lord. And I think during that time, through just different studies and people that were um, leading me, I really saw like what it means to follow Jesus. Like in the gospels, you know, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It was such an invitation. I began to want to impart my life to others. You know, there's a passage that says the things that you've been entrusted impart these to others who will teach others also. And I was challenged, especially my junior year, like, what does it mean for me to pour my life into other people? And I was eager to really focus on a few girls. There was a few girls in my sorority that were so eager. There was a lot of girls, but that really gave me just a clear vision of what I wanted to do. And I think basically what that means is like to sit at his feet, to read God's word, to learn who this Jesus is. What does it mean to follow him? And who is he? And what what does he want me to do? What does he want you to do? And so those are just a few broad strokes about it, what it means to follow him. That's great. Thank you. And I'd love to hear some God stories. I know Adopting Claire is one of those, and she is actually a speaker, and I'd love to put a link to her website. Mainly her website is the best way to learn about her. There's a lot of videos about her story and her book also, but kind of God story. I love just that question. It's just a great reminder to look back and recount just the things that God's done. And I think we all could have a really long list of those kind of things. But as you mentioned, even just meeting Warren, I feel like that's one of the top things on my list of a God story of just a gracious provision of just a wonderful husband that loves the Lord, that we can link arms and do ministry together and be in things together. And so that's a huge God story. But as I mentioned, as we were waiting to adopt our first Lauren Claire, I feel like it was sort of what people might say is like my first real crisis of faith of like, okay, Lord, I want to believe you, but this is really hard. And what's the deal? What's going on? I knew that I didn't want to be a bitter person when I got older, like things didn't go the way I wanted. And, and I felt like God was having me just go to the mat. It was like, as I was reading just his word throughout that time of waiting, I met Hannah, you know, who prayed for a child. And I mean, not that I didn't know about her before, but but then like, especially Elizabeth, I really identified with her, John the Baptist mother. And when he was born, it said that her friends and family came and rejoiced with her because God had shown her his great mercy. And it was literally a verse that I read the day that we were approved to be adoptive parents. And to me, that was kind of like the day I found out I was pregnant. It was like, I did not deserve to have a baby because I think in our waiting or suffering, basically how I felt was like, 
God, don't you care about me? Don't you hear my longing and my heartache? And I think of this passage, I'd love to read it. It says, I would have despaired unless I'd believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And I felt like that was such a kind of a key verse. And there were so many during that time of waiting that I was in of like trusting that God is good. And even if he doesn't give me a baby, I can still trust him. And as we know throughout scripture, we kind of think, okay, everything works out for everybody in the Bible, but it's like every story really is just hard things. And it's like, are we going to trust him when we don't get it or not? And so I felt like those were things that were really forged deeply for me. And in my daughter's story, well, one of the things that I wrote in my journal during that time, and I'll explain a little more later, is I said, I believed in my heart that God was good, that his plans for me were good. This was in my journal. But I felt like my prayers and concerns really didn't matter to him. My mind and my heart were at odds with one another. I wondered, does God really care about me and my desire to have a baby? Has he forgotten about me? And again, that's not really a new thing, but I felt like for me, it was a time to really pour out my heart to the Lord, to really be honest. And 20 years later, after we adopted our daughter, she was able to meet her birth mother and our other daughter, Rachel, has also. And when our oldest daughter met her birth mother, she found out the most shocking news that she could have imagined. She was eager to meet her birth mother and, and thank her for giving her life. But during that process, in that encounter, she learned that her birth mother at 13 had had an abortion. and She'd had a twin that was aborted, but our daughter survived. And it was, as you can imagine, like the biggest news a person could receive. But when I first heard that news, it just kind of took me back to like, God's plans are so much bigger than mine or my daughter's. And I thought, wow, God has a plan for each of our lives, but he really, really has a plan for her life. And so she has had the opportunity to share her story of survival for almost 10 years now. And it's a privilege to get to hear her tell the story. And she's actually written a book about it called Survivor, which you can get on Amazon or anywhere you buy books. But it's just a continual reminder of God's precious hand on our lives. And I think for me, that's such a God story for me as I look at her and her courage to tell this story. But again, for me, it's like, okay, God's saying, you wondered what I was doing and you had little idea what I was really up to. Just the privilege of having an opportunity to tell like about God's greatness and that's what she does. And I know also for Rachel, even in her life and her circumstances, it's just a continual reminder of God has a plan and where he puts people in a lot of families that are broken or have heartache or are in foster care. But it's like, I think the deepest thing that's forged to be is that I can trust we are not God and he has a huge plan and it's so amazing. And I ache for so many people that I know that have very deep suffering and I'm really drawn to that. But I think the hope that I hope to be able to give people as I talk with them is we can trust God. And each person's story is so different of why we doubt God or wonder if he cares about us. But it's still the bottom line that he does and he is the God of the universe. And he is our rock, our refuge, our very present help in time of trouble. And every lesson that I think of, it goes back to that of who God is, who he says he is, and can I trust him? That's great. 
I love that you were even able to look at stories in the Bible of women who weren't able to get pregnant, like Hannah with Samuel and Elizabeth with John the Baptist. Yeah. Sarah. I mean, the list is long. It's a long list. Yes. Wow. So the Bible is just there for for everyone in every situation. Well, thank you so much for those encouraging stories and that encouragement to all of us that that God is at work even when we don't see him and he is trustworthy. And sometimes we're not going to see his plan while we're here on earth. We may not find out till later in heaven really what was all this about, but we can also just be grateful that he is here with us and loves us and we've got that relationship with him that he can help us through all these hard situations that we're in. Barbara, you have your own podcast that has to do with people's strengths. Tell us more about that. Oh, thank you for asking. I just love this venture that I've started about two years ago called Embrace Your Strengths is the name of my podcast. And I think about eight years ago, I began some training, learning more about my own Clifton Strengths, or it used to be called Strength Finders. And I have just loved that because I've been able to come alongside people in teams or individual coaching to help them understand what is great about them. And the essence of the assessment is an assessment that you get your top five strengths out of 34. And to me, it's just so concrete and helps people to understand, oh, these are things that I'm good at. And a lot of times we tend to think, what can I do to improve my weaknesses? And so just the whole mindset of this assessment is very encouraging and positive. So I literally want everybody I know to know everyone I know with their different strengths. And so at the beginning of COVID, I just kind of thought, I want to start a podcast. And it's it's really odd because it's not like I'm that kind of person, but for me, it was just an avenue to help people hear from other people. And I think even the idea of your podcast of wanting to hear how Jesus makes a difference in people's lives and their God stories. And that's what I love to do because I feel like when we're using our strengths and doing what God made us to do, then we're doing what he wants and he finds pleasure in, and we find pleasure in that. And so I just love talking with people and even for me, as I've learned more about my own strengths, it's helped me to have more focus of, yeah, my strengths show up when I'm connecting with people. And I love to meet with people, make appointments or interview people, whatever it is, but it's my harmony, my empathy, those kind of things show up when I'm with people. And so I think the beauty of it is for me to understand more about you or the people I work with or who I live with. And it's just a tool that is fun and and I think helpful for people. So I love it. That's great. I love the idea that we don't necessarily need to work as much on our weaknesses as we need to just work on improving those strengths and making them more a part of our lives. Because really, those are God's gifts to us, as you mentioned. And a lot of times I could work on trying to be a strategic thinker or ideation is one of them, you know, having these ideas that I can follow through on. Those are more my husband's strengths, but I wouldn't get very far with those versus the strengths that I do have. I'm able to use those in situations and make valuable contributions with those. Tell me what are the four quadrants of strengths and name a few strengths if you don't mind. Yeah. um, Well, the training I have is 
called Core Clarity, and it uses the Clifton strengths. And the quadrants that they use to divide up these 34 strengths are a little bit different than Gallup does it, but they're real similar. With Core Clarity, there's the connecting quadrant, which is talents that are used to connect with others and sustain relationships. And then there's the mobilizing quadrant. These are talents that are used to mobilize others to action. And some of those might be woo or positivity, developer. And then there's a quadrant called energizing quadrant. Those are talents used to motivate the person to action. And in that quadrant are ones like achiever or activator, adaptability. And then there's the reflecting quadrant, which are talents that are used to process ideas and information. And some in that quadrant are strategic or ideation, like you mentioned, or connectedness or futuristic. There's different ones. And in the connect quadrant, which I didn't mention, are like harmony or empathy, includer, responsibility. So there's different ones in each quadrant. A lot of people might have a lot in one quadrant, sometimes more in the reflecting quadrants because there's a more in that one. But I think even that idea is helpful. It's another layer of understanding. It's like one time I talked with someone that had four strengths in the mobilizing quadrant. I'm like, wow, you get people going. And so it just is fascinating to me when I learn their strengths and and hopefully to help people see, yeah, I I get a lot done. Like one gal I'm coaching with right now, she has three energizing talents and she gets a lot done. She's motivated. She has systems. I love that. I love too that instead of feeling bad about, oh, I don't have this strength or that, instead I can appreciate the strengths of others and better understand others. So my husband is all in the reflective quadrant and we are very different. So being able to look at our strengths has helped me understand and appreciate him more and also what he can bring to our marriage, you know, that I don't bring. And then I have more of the connecting, the empathy strengths. So I'm able to bring that into our marriage as well. And we can help balance each other. So I love that it's like you mentioned, it's a very positive way to view others. Yeah. I love that when I'm in California, I get to meet with you sometimes and that's very, very fun. But I liked when we were talking about some of the other people in your family and for you to even realize, because we knew some of their strengths, I think you were the only one that had empathy between all of your family. And even just that, I think, okay, that's good to know. Because I'm sure a lot of times you feel maybe alone if you're the only one that's feeling the feelings of whatever's going on. And I don't know, I just think that helps. (laughs) Has that helped you understand that? Yes, that was such a big eye opener to me when you said, oh, you must feel lonely. I was like, yes, I do. No one understands. I have feelings. Everyone else here are more of the thinkers versus the feelers and the Myers-Briggs. So anyway, that that was very helpful. And my family, I mentioned that to them and they were also very encouraging about my empathetic strengths. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know that for me with empathy, that is one that I hope for in other people a lot. I think whatever we have, we gravitate to others that have that because it's just like we're alike in that. And so I don't know, I'm still always growing and learning a lot in my own empathy too. Yes, same here. I also love that a lot of times what we can think are weaknesses 
may actually be a strength. So I've always seen my need for input as a weakness, but it's actually considered my top strength with core clarity because it's not a bad thing to need input. It's not necessarily a great thing to rely on others to make decisions for me, but it can be a very helpful resource to have that input and then use that information to make my own decisions. So that was a neat way to look at it versus me, oh, I always have to have input versus no, that's a strength to be able to take input and then evaluate it and make decisions on that. So there've been just a lot of helpful ideas and applications to my own life. So I encourage people to sign up and and have you as a coach and I'll definitely put a link in the podcast. Well, thanks. Yeah, I I love talking with people about their strengths. And it was fun as we Zoomed kind of at the beginning of COVID about your strength. And I don't know, I just think we all are always curious. And like you said, we can tend to throw ourselves under the bus with our strengths because there's always some misunderstanding about what our strength is or someone that thinks we should be a different way. But I think that's part of our own growth process of like, well, no, I'm I'm going to feel these feelings, even if you don't have them, maybe right now. Yes. Or even if you don't feel comfortable with them. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And are there any lessons that you've learned or any ideas that you want to leave us with today before we sign off? Well, I think I mentioned even just in my journey in trusting God through just waiting and suffering. That's something that really I think about a lot because we all meet so many people and there's so many hard and heavy things around us. But I think if we can really just believe what God says is true, that his interests and his hopes for us are far better than what we can imagine. And it just aches me when I see people that are in really hard situation, but they think that God isn't relevant. He doesn't matter. He doesn't care for them. And I guess that's one of my main lessons and takeaways of like, yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's very good, even when we don't like what he's doing. And I want to continue to trust him in that way myself when I wonder or still have questions because there's always a new lesson or way to see, Lord, are you going to trust me? Even as I think of Jesus with his disciples and the people that he hung around, that he imparted his life, that he lived life with just his tenderness toward them when they made crazy decisions or they didn't believe him. And yet he was patient with them. He was kind and he's a God that is good and worthy to be trusted. That's great. Thank you. And I love too that he is our loving heavenly father. And also the Bible mentions that unconditional love that he has for us, even when we mess up. And then I've been doing a study in Hebrews that talks so much about how Jesus went through so many temptations. He was perfect in those, but because of that, he can understand our temptations and our trials that we go through and have that empathy for us. Well, thank you so much for sharing. This has been so valuable and helpful. And I know we can all learn from each other and what God is doing in our lives. So thank you, Barbara. Love you tons. So glad that we have gotten to be friends. Oh, thank you, Ellen. I know this has been such a treat. Thanks everyone for joining us. This is Ellen Bennett with the Extraordinary Lives Podcast.